Support for OPB comes from our members and from our sponsors, like Tracy Ray from the employment law firm of Baron Lehman. Tracy says that OPB sponsorship is a great way to support the community and connect with Baron Liebman's clients. This is Think Out Loud on OPB. I'm Dave Miller. Severe winter weather is in the forecast for much of Oregon this weekend, with almost all counties under a winter storm watch or warning. The Oregon Department of Transportation has been clearing roads and responding to closures since late Monday when the first round of storms hit the state. Their work has been helped by a recent infusion of cash from lawmakers. The legislature gave the agency $19 million last month to shore up winter maintenance services in the wake of its budget shortfall. Kevin Glenn is ODOT's communications director. He joined us to talk about what to expect on roads this weekend and the agency's ongoing funding challenges. We talked about three hours ago. I asked him what he was expecting statewide for the evening and the weekend. So as you mentioned, this last week's had a ton of snow all around the state. So Matt Batchelor, I think, has had something like 75 inches of snow in the last few days. Um, And then we expect that to continue over tonight and through the weekend. So um, in the Portland metro area, luckily, it sounds like the snow is going to happen a little later than we thought it was going to. We were really worried it was going to be around that sort of evening rush hour, just like it was last year when everything just kind of broke. Turned into Um, parking lots. Yes, exactly. Um, So I think... Luckily, it looks like it might happen a little later. Um, Our message is still, if you are home, please stay home. If you um, can head home soon, please do so. Do people Uh, listen to those messages? Uh, Can you you track it? Do you know if if when you say, for real, don't go at it unless you need to, I just always wondered if if people listen to you or if they just do what they're going to do. I hope so. I think so. Um, you know, when I was driving over here, there seemed like there were a lot fewer cars on the road today. Um, and, you know, places like PPS closing a little earlier puts a lot of those students on the road earlier in the day, their parents picking them up earlier in the day. Um, so, yeah, you know, I mean, the thing is you don't necessarily need everyone to stay home in order to actually have success out of it because really all you need is room for a plow to make a way, hmm. right? And if you're on a freeway, you've got three lanes and a shoulder on both sides in which to make that happen. Um, but when you get everyone there and they all get stuck and then they leave their vehicles, then it's very hard to recover from. What are the top regions of concern right now? Yeah, absolutely. So um, we expect uh, basically cold fronts moving in over the entire state, and it's going to make it very, very cold over the next few days. So uh, right now is probably as warm as it's going to be today, and it's just going to get colder and colder and colder. Um, some parts of the state, it's going to be like negative 14 in Meacham in eastern Oregon, which is too cold. Um, and then, But it'll be real cold even in the Portland metro area. Um, and then we are worried about, we think there's going to be quite a bit of snowfall tonight, um, this evening and tonight in Portland, and then maybe some freezing rain, um, Salem, south of Salem. And then we're going to see a lot of snow in the passes and then a lot of wind, especially in the gorge. So it might be almost blizzard conditions in the gorge. And then not much of a thaw, right? Right, exactly. So since it's so cold, it's going to be cold for quite a few days. So whatever falls on the ground is probably going to stick around for quite a few days. What's your goal in terms of frequency of service right now? I mean, for how often a patch of of highway that your agency is responsible for is actually going to 
get a plow on it or get a de-icer on it or get gravel on it? Sure. Well, it really just depends on the road. So what we try to do is we look at our roads and see where are people most likely to travel. And then we sort of look at where um, the hotspots are, right? Where there's like a really steep curve or something like that. So on the hotspots, we try to apply salt beforehand or de-icer or gravel. Um, and then on those places where people are regularly traveling, like the passes, we'll try to have those have more snow plowing activity than maybe some of the less traveled roads. Just behind you, just in front of me right now, it the city of Portland calls this Macadam Avenue. The state calls this Highway 43. This is, this is a state highway, one of a lot that go through the city of Portland. And just like a lot of cities in the state have um, state highways. Is this up to ODOT to plow? It is. That's, yeah, I believe so. Yeah, um, yeah, we would plow our state highways in the city. So why not just have some kind of setup where if it, I don't know, I'm making this up, but let's say it costs $500 to, to plow uh, a road to, to, to pay, you know, a, a state pl- um, snowplow driver and to pay for the gas. Why not just give that money to the Portland Bureau of Transportation and then free up ODOT to focus on places where there, nobody else is going to be plowing that anyway. Nobody else has a plow that they would use. Hmm. Well, I mean, I'm happy to pitch that idea to the delivery and operations folks. I think what I would argue just off the top of my head is I assume Portland has a lot on its plate too, right? So Portland does a great job of preparing for snowstorms. They're doing the same thing right now. They're looking at their hotspots on their network, right, like Burnside and things like that. Um, but they have a lot to manage. So I don't know that um, they would be able that to take like on they like my idea. Yeah. <laughs> it just seems to be a, a more efficient use of resources. If, if they're going to plow roads right near here and you're going to come to do specific state highways in the middle of the city, it, it seems like a potential redundancy that could be that could be made more efficient. Yeah, maybe. I think, too, it's that ODOT has um, uh, offices everywhere, right? So, yes, we're like the state agency, right? But we've got um, facilities all through the Portland metro area because the freeways and highways run all through the Portland metro areas. So it's really easy for us to access these state highways because um, they're close to our facilities. So let's turn to the the bigger question right now we can we can come back to, to this weekend and what what else you want from drivers but um, but as I mentioned in my intro you're dealing with a, a major funding issue your agency sounded an alarm this year saying we don't have enough money in the current biennium two-year budget cycle for road maintenance and, and things like snow removal mm-hmm. so lawmakers responded by providing an additional 19 million dollars. What would have happened if you hadn't gotten that money? Where would the cuts have been? Where would Oregonians have seen the effects? Yeah, absolutely. So um, they would have seen the effects, especially in big storms like this. So one of the things that we were having to do because of this budget crunch is basically really restrict our overtime. So, um, you know, in moments like this where you've got – big snow falling in central Oregon and on the passes and maybe even snow in the coast range and then snow in Portland, right? You can't really move crews around. So the crews you have in that area just have to work extra hours in order to keep the roads safe. And in a situation like that, we may have really struggled to be able to afford that. We, we would have had to really reduce the amount of, of 
response that we could do in a big storm like this. Meaning um, just more snow on the roads at yeah. 3 a.m. Or, or at 5 p.m. Exactly, right? I mean, looking at that sort of triaging the roads you've got. Okay, so if we have this many state highways and this many interstates, if right now we can keep a level of service on more roads, right, at, at a place that we feel comfortable, we'd have to say, okay, this road is important, but it's not as important as this other road. And so we're going to try to preserve service here and, and let service deteriorate over here. So it it would have been very difficult. So at least some chunk of that $19 million is going directly to overtime. Yep. So uh, that $19 million uh, allows us to restore overtime services so we can handle big storms like this. Um, it also allows us to do pothole um, repair after the winter when the roads get damaged quite a bit. Um, and then it does two other things. It lets us uh, restart um, fog line striping on low volume roads in rural areas. And that's that um, white line to your right when you're driving through those areas that keeps you on the road. Um, and then uh, it allows us to uh, repair or replace some of our very, very old um, snowplow trucks. Hmm. You did note in a recent press release that the agency took some actions like ordering fewer supplies or hiring fewer people before that stopgap funding was authorized last month by the legislature. How much of that is sort of a, 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 a will have a permanent effect or at least a, a, an ongoing effect this biennium. Yeah. So I think in terms of the materials, we're good there. So you can just, now you can order more salt? Yeah, it's not quite as simple as going to like the salt store, which I thought it might be. But yes, we, we were able to sort of um, sign new contracts for additional salt and gravel and all that stuff. So we feel pretty good about that. Um, in terms of permanent staffing, we are having to keep some permanent staffing positions open because this... Um, Supplemental funding is awesome, right? It came at exactly the time we needed it, but it is one time, it's a one time infusion of funding. You can't really hire permanent staff with a one time infusion of funding. Um, so we do have some staff open as a result still. In November of 2022, we actually talked about the hiring challenges for snowplow drivers, especially in Eastern Oregon. And this wasn't, if I remember correctly, this wasn't about not having money to hire people. It was the kind of employer issues that we've heard in so many, so many sectors. It's hard to find people to do the job. Is that still an issue? Uh, it's still an issue in some of those really, really remote places in Eastern Oregon, right? Like we've got some facilities, um, especially like in Southeastern Oregon, where the crew actually works on site because there isn't a town anywhere near this road for them to live in, right? And that is a challenge to hire folks. You got to have a, a very specific person who wants to do that. In Harney County, say. Yeah, exactly. Um, so that's still sort of a perennial challenge. Uh, I think we aren't experiencing the sort of agency-wide um, difficulty hiring that most employers were last year. I think that's that's calmed down quite a bit. Um, so that sort of resolved itself, but we do we are keeping some positions open for these budgetary reasons, uh, and essentially it's all a bit of a wash. So we're at about the same staffing level as we were last year. If you're just tuning in, we're talking right now with Kevin Glenn. He's a communications director for the Oregon Department of Transportation. Am I right that the ODOT budget is something like three billion dollars for two years? Yep. Yep. So oh, three billion dollars every year. I think it's six billion dollars every two years. Oh man. Okay. Um, well, then, then this question is even more salient. Yeah. Six billion dollars for two years. You just got nineteen million dollars, and you're saying this is going to make a huge difference. I can imagine a lot of listeners saying, "What's happening here?" So this gets us to the to the broader questions of the ODOT budget and and why it is that nineteen million dollars can make such a difference when you have billions to spend in a year. So. First, if you don't mind, just giving us a sense for 
where the money comes from broadly and what you can spend it on. Yeah, absolutely, because this is the crux of the issue, right? It just doesn't make sense without some sort of extra explanation. So um, in terms of how the transportation system is funded, uh, it's basically funded with a few sources. It's funded with the gas tax. Um, it's funded with vehicle fees like registration, titling, stuff like that. Um, and then it's funded in Oregon with a tax on or a weight mile tax on freight haulers. Um, so those three things combined form the state highway fund. And then in addition, we get funding from the federal government um, more last year because of the um, Infrastructure and Investment and Jobs Act, um, but a steady uh, amount of funding from the federal government every year. Um, and then we also in Oregon have a unique uh, one-tenth of one percent payroll tax that allows us to actually fund public transit operations um, because constitutionally we are barred from doing so with our state highway fund dollars. Um, so those are the sort of the biggest sources that come into the agency. And then those sources go out of the agency. So of all that money that comes in, around half goes straight to cities and counties um, for their own transportation department budgets. Um, and then what's left around half of that has been dedicated by um, former legislators or legislatures to um, paying for projects or paying for debt based on past projects. So of that big pot of money that comes into the agency, around 10% of it can be spent on agency operations, snow plowing, maintenance, things like that. Which is how you can get a situation in which you can have a $6 billion biennial budget, which by any measure is quite a bit of money, right? And yet still have such a big impact from $19 million because that $19 million isn't just going into the $6 billion pot. It's going into the much smaller pot that can actually pay for winter maintenance. What's happening with gas tax revenue in Oregon and around the country? I mean, the... Every, I, people have probably heard at this point that it's dropping because of fuel efficiency, because of the the uh, uptake in electric vehicles. But how big a drop are you seeing? Yeah. So right now we are sort of at the flattening peak of it, I suppose. So it's quite a bit less than it would have been if the fleet was still as inefficient as it was. Um, luckily, the fleet is more efficient than it was, right? So It's a good thing. It's a great thing, right? Like people, you know, it's both in terms of like, a Camry 30 years ago is 30% less efficient than a Camry right now. That's great on its own. And then also it's great that 80,000 electric vehicles are sold or have been sold in Oregon, and we expect that to keep going up. So people are doing the right thing and driving more efficient and needing electric vehicles. It's the central reason we're on track to reduce carbon emissions from transportation by 60%. So that's wonderful. Um, but it also has a knock-on effect of... The, more, the less gas you use, um, the less you pay into the system. And the thing is, if you're still driving a car around, you're still wearing down the roads, right? Like that still has a cost to the system. Um, so right now, gas tax revenues, because the legislature actually instituted a two-cent gas tax that took effect on January 1st, um, and they made this decision about seven years ago. It happened every few years. This was for a big transportation bill to fund specific projects largely, right? Yeah, exactly. Yes. Um, so they raised that. Um, and so we're, we're at sort of a flattened peak of gas tax revenue, and then we expect that decline to start next fiscal year. Um, and it's not a, you know, it, it takes some time, but it's basically just permanent, right? It, people are never going to drive less efficient vehicles going forward. Um, so every year you just see less and less gas tax. And then at the same time, you have uh, quite a bit of inflation in the last few years, right? We've, we've gone through a very inflationary period. Um, but even if you expect inflation to sort of level off in the near future of a few percentage points each year, that means that every dollar you're getting buys less and less stuff every year. 
And you're getting fewer and fewer dollars. And you have to pay more for for payroll as well. Yeah. Yep. So so what are other states doing? That this is a nationwide issue. What are other states doing to figure out new models, more sustainable ongoing models for transportation funding if if gas taxes no longer make sense? Yeah. So in some ways, Oregon's kind of a leader on this, right? So we instituted a um, road usage charge, uh, an operational road usage charge system, God, eight or nine. It's It's been a few years. Um, and basically what that is, is it's very similar to the gas tax. And that sort of the concept is the more you use the road, the more you pay into the system. But rather than that being a fraction of your um, gas bill when you go to the gas station, it is a per mile charge of, I think it's two cents per mile. Um, and you just get a bill at the end of the month. So that's an operational system that other states are looking at. Um, Isn't that optional in Oregon? It is. Yep. Yep. It's optional. Um, And there's some incentives to do so. So if you buy an electric vehicle in Oregon, you pay a higher registration fee to help partially offset the fact that you're not buying any gas. Um, And you can uh, reduce your higher registration fee by signing up for this program. It's called Origo. These are, in the end, though, policy questions for lawmakers, right, as opposed to things that the agency is going to tell us what what should happen? Uh, Absolutely, yes. So this is is really a decision up to the legislature and the governor. Um, And we're really encouraged by the fact that they've expressed a real interest in tackling this issue. you know, they've, they've talked about taking this up in the 2025 legislative session. And so we'll, as an agency, you know, we're not going to necessarily choose the, the path forward, right? Um, but we'll, we'll be able to, to work with them to show them the sort of pros and cons of, of each individual path and um, how they could put us on a more stable foundation. Kevin, thanks very much. Yeah, thank you. Kevin Glenn is communications director for the Oregon Department of Transportation.